Hello and welcome to the Planet Optimist podcast. Uh, we've been away for a few months, haven't we, David? Uh, it's been quite busy for us, but I think I speak for both of us when I say that we're very excited to be back and we're looking forward to season two. Uh, but tell me, David, what have you been up to? Because I think we've only met up once since Christmas Eve Eve. We've uh, we've been in a long distance relationship, haven't we? Now, I, uh, I saw you once in February and we went to... German Street, and then we went to James J. Fox, and then we went to uh, a great pub called Wolfpack in Fulham. Shout out to Peter Brown. Uh, and that's been it. Although I do speak to you every day. It's a bit like I'm in prison, and I get to see you once every six weeks. <laughs> we do send our um, our daily love letters to each other, or... Um, Indeedy. Whatever. Um, yeah. But I haven't answered your question. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, the world of green tech is as exciting as ever. Hypervolt Vault launched 3.0 on January 1st. I went to Vegas for CES, which was awesome. And to be honest, this year's, as you said, we're both very, very busy. It's been an absolute whirlwind. I, you know what? I was just about to say that. I can't, I can't believe it's March, March so soon. Like, I, I can imagine, imagine, I can remember New Year's Day. Like, as if, honestly, as if it was last week. Well, you were um, in France, weren't you? I, I, yeah, I was. Um, I was indeed in France, yeah. No, you say, uh, you love- you're, you're laughing at that as if you have a guilty conscience. I don't know what you were up to in France. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, it was, it was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic over there. I've never been, um, I've never been to the country or set foot in that country. I have traveled through it on the Eurostar once. Um, but I don't really think that counts. But yeah, first time being there. Um, it was very, very nice, very, very fun. Um, exciting to spend New Year's Day somewhere. Because to be fair, other than 2020 and 23, I haven't really done anything for... Oh, 20... When, was, when did we go to yours? You came to mine going into 2021... And then we had a black tie dinner in 2019. That was all right. Oh, yeah, sorry. So the 2021 obviously meant the 2019 going into 2020 because it would oh, have been yeah. illegal. I think we were actually on Zoom, though. Oh, no, sorry. We yeah, no, I lied that. I because... meant 2021 going to 22. Sorry, yeah, because it was in my flat. Yes, yeah. 2020 going into 21 was when I opened a beer to celebrate one of my home brews and it exploded. And so I missed the countdown. No, yeah. no, I, no. We we were all on Zoom, weren't we? I don't want to get caught up in what Man, Matt Hancock and the rest of them are getting caught up, and I was at home. <laughs> yeah, let's um, let's leave let's leave the scandals. Let's leave the scandals. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, as we uh, as we discussed, it's it's been a while, and it's been even longer since we discussed Adam Smith. So go on, David, give me my first Adam Smith quote of the week for the year. It's yeah, it's been nearly three months, I think, since our weekly Adam Smith quote. But in the span of Adam Smith, that is a that's a drop in the ocean. Um, his his ideas and his and his teachings and his thoughts are um, perpetually immortal. insightful. They are immortal, uh, and they're probably more irre- they're more relevant now than they've ever been. Uh, but this is a good one. Kick us off for the series. In general, if any branch of trade or any division of labour be advantageous to the public. The freer and more general the competition, it will always be more so. Basically, freer the market, freer the people. We may have mentioned this before. 
We're easing ourselves into this season, David. Uh, we're touching on a topic that we discussed in season one on ESG investing. Um, a few developments have happened and there are a few other ideas I think would be interesting to discuss. Here, the space in which we operate is is so fast evolving. I feel like an awful lot has happened since we, we spoke to each other in December or lasted the podcast in December. Uh, the episode on ESG was very much focused on what ESG investing is and the pros and cons of it. We will, of course, touch on some of these things too, but I, I think it's very fair to say that this episode is geared more towards how ESG investing could impact you as individuals. That's a great way of putting it. Um, we've also spoken quite a bit potentially about setting up an ESG portfolio made available to Planet Optimist listeners, uh, be that in a I know, Google Sheet with a portfolio build-up, recommended holdings and percentages uh, based on some financial metric wizardry. Um, but we do have a few things to iron out and it's you know not going to be anything official and I want to be clear uh, that this isn't going to be financially beneficial to either of us. We're just sharing our thoughts and um, having a little play with, with making up our own portfolio and, and having a stab at that, which we will um, share to you all and we will welcome your feedback on whether you think that's a good or a bad portfolio and why and why not. Absolutely. Always do your own research, your investment make up as well as down, obviously. But as we always say, you have to vote with your feet. So uh, putting your money into, into green stocks, into ESG funds is voting with your feet. And you're telling the big banks, you're telling financial institutions, you're telling governments and treasuries, this is where our, this is where capital needs to be allocated. I mean, it was probably a year ago when you got me, uh, Daniel, into ETF investing, which... I think it's a fantastic way of investing, uh, you know, real hands off, um, you're hedged, so it is, it's relatively low risk. I, I think we're similar in that we broadly invest in the FTSE, the S&P, and then Vanguard's uh, developed world fund for our portfolio. Is that right? Ebbs and flows, yeah. Um, I started doing that, um, and then I started looking to other ETFs and individual companies like REITs, um, which is currently the only thing dragging my portfolio down year to date, um, even as even gold is is up for me currently. Uh, now I split about 80, 20, so 80% into ETFs uh, just to weather this volatile and bear market and 20% into um, an individual portfolio that I've made up, which is currently outperforming my ETF portfolio currently. Before we dive any further in, let's explain to the listeners, Daniel, and I say us, you explain, <laughs> Daniel, as you're the analyst, what an ETF is. Uh, ETF means exchange traded fund, uh, though people may also refer to them as index funds. Uh, and it means the same thing. Um, you can think of ETFs as a portfolio of assets in a single transaction that you can purchase. Um, so instead of having to go through and purchase, say, for instance, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Tesla, um, all individually with their high associated commissions if you um, do it the old school way this allows you to do it in a single transaction and um, as we will go on to find out Vanguard uh, revolutionized the industry in this this regard with um, minimal transaction costs which has really helped boom the retail investor uh, trend but it doesn't have to be um, stocks you can have a fund that tracks a 60-40 equity to bond portfolio uh, REITs and gold as I've already discussed a fund for oil um, and for oil companies as well. Um, ETFs have specific mandates and you can read these statements before investing. It will give a specific thing theme like the ones that I reeled off earlier, such as a, a REIT or gold. A great benefit is that you could buy every company in the S&P in one go with, you know, as I said, thanks to Vanguard, um, very minimal transaction costs. Uh, so making your own portfolio 
would cost a lot more and would be far more time intensive. Uh, you can also get inverse ETFs, uh, which would be similar to shorting the respective portfolio, which I didn't actually know existed until very recently. I didn't know that was a thing either. That's um, that's really interesting, isn't it? That's, I mean, if you short the S&P 500, that's, that's basically taking a stance of as I don't believe in the future of the American economy. So that's quite a, quite a bold statement. But um, what, what about diversification? I, I mean, I agree and disagree. Like, yes, in the long term. Yes, yeah. That's why sorry, you yeah, invest in... Yeah. But then, you know, of course, if you think that the S&P, the, SMP, the, the US is about to go into a recession or you think the tech stocks are going to be particularly happy because it's very tech heavy, the S&P 500, um, then yeah, it, it makes sense shorting but I, I i get what you mean i'm being very pedantic um but on the um on the topic of diversification um it's an interesting one etfs do offer diversification benefits uh, of course they do you're adding more stock well more assets to your portfolio which in theory um generally speaking um this does reduce the volatility um but this doesn't mean that they're the best allocation of assets in a portfolio um, in most cases you know, the s p 500 for instance is a free float capitalization weighted index um, so it isn't necessarily the best risk to reward or, or sharp ratio so those are things to consider as well because you can't um, allocate the percentages usually as you would like to if you were to create a portfolio yourself yeah and and it i suppose it's a it's an incredibly close track but it's it's never never always perfect um i mean this is a mouthful and lots of letters but what about esg etfs acronym soup Uh, well i was out for (laughs) i was out for work drinks uh the other night and this is something that we spoke about actually uh so one firm that that does this is called ecofin and very telling by their name i would i would say Mm mm-hmm um, but here are here are a few um, ETFs that they provide. Um, full disclosure, and I think this is the same for you, David. But I don't hold any positions in these ETFs. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, Grant. So um, the first one is Ecofin's Global Water ESG Fund. It's an ETF that invests in companies that provide products and services to the water industry, uh, specifically providing exposure to sustainable use and management of water resources. Oh, uh, the fact sheet actually is quite interesting. of the portfolio is made up of North American stocks, with the remaining 31% and 7% going to Europe and Asian Pacific, respectively. Um, I always find it interesting that they put Asia and Pacific in together, Mm. but I suppose geographically it makes sense. Um, Quite different markets and cultures. Um, Just over uh, a quarter is in utilities uh, or infrastructure, while the remaining 75%, roughly speaking, uh, is invested in equipment slash service. Yep, and the fund takes a differentiated strategy focusing on purity. So the company must have a minimum 50% water exposure, uh, meaning at least half of the company revenue must be derived from water industry-related activities. Sustainability, which uses common ESG metrics like having an ESG risk rating less than 30. If a company has a rating between 31 and 39.99 for three consecutive quarters, so uh, three quarters, uh, sorry, 75% of the year, uh, will be removed. And anything that goes above 40 or more will be removed at the next rebalance. Sorry, is that rebalance quarterly then? Yes. Right, it's, it's so it's so, quarterly yeah. on a rolling basis. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, quarterly on a rolling basis, taking together the last quarter quarters. Okay. Um, but year-to-date is down, right? 20, 26%. Mm-hmm. Um, though quarter-to-date does look a bit better, uh, 12.9% up. Uh, I believe uh, the next few have for me, actually, and have for the, view, uh, the listeners are actually trust, though, Daniel. Uh, yes, yeah, so the first one was uh, an ESG ETF, but the, the following ones are going to be uh, funds. And the first one is Ecofin's Global Utilities and Infrastructure Trust. Uh, which is a close-end investment company that invests in companies that provide essential services such as energy, water, and transfer- transportation infrastructure. Uh, the fund aims to provide exposure to companies that contribute to the transition of a low-carbon economy that are also listed on recognised stock exchanges globally. I like the sound of that one. Uh, I'd argue it embodies one of our core philosophies on this podcast, which is climate pragmatism. Uh, it seems that it invests in a a total of five individual ETFs, is that right? Um, indeed, circa 40% will be invested in North America and EMA each, uh, so summing up to 80%. Uh, 14% in the UK, uh, specifically, and the remaining 7 to 8% in other OECD and emerging market economies. But only across two sectors, so it would be good to combine this in a portfolio rather than being a, a standalone investment. But I think that goes for, for any ETF, unless it specifically tracks an index or a large number of companies like the Vanguard World Fund. Uh, you do also have the Ecofin US Renewable Infrastructure Trust, which is available to purchase on Trading212. Okay, Daniel, um, what's our final Ecofin Trust? The Sustainable and Social Impact Private Equity Fund, uh, which is certainly a mouthful. This one focuses on the E, but also takes into consideration uh, the S, I guess the others too do too, um, generally, but this one specifically does focus on the on the E and the S, um, not as much on the G, because, for instance, the Global Water ETF would remove companies with an ESG risk score above a certain fre- threshold, which, of course, can be heavily influenced by the G. Uh, interesting, though, that it's PE focused as well. So there are obviously ECOFIN funds, but there are also some honourable mentions. Um for other ESG ETFs, such as iShares ESG, USA Leaders ETF, in brackets, SUSL. That is an unnecessary number of letters. <laughs> but also the the Vanguard FTSE Social Index Fund uh, uh, and Calvert Equity Fund. Yes. Uh, yeah, there are quite a few of these. I'm searching for ESG on Trading212 uh, just as an example of a broker, not singling them out for any specific reason. I just They're just the ones that I use. Um, they provide a number of other things that we haven't discussed. Um, it's also worth exploring the literature out there to see whether ESG investing aligns with your investment goals. Um, equally, we do have a podcast episode on it, should you wish for other people to tell you what to think. Whether there is uh, more <laughs> risk, uh, whether you think the risk is worth it, or um, if you think that they're a, a safer investment even, uh, we have links in the show docs for a few resources that can get you started. Uh, do you hold... Any ESG investments, David? Yeah. So, so like I mentioned earlier, I've been doing a bit more trading this year, although um, the two stocks I'm going to mention are, are not to really be traded. They're to be held for the long term. And I, as always, these are stocks that we've decided to invest in. Please do your own research. These are not recommendations. These are simply just things that I've decided to put my money in. Uh, one is Arrival, the um, EV commercial vehicle startup. Uh, and another one is, is Rivian, who are the another EV um, 
uh, st- startup. They've probably scale up now. They've been out for a good few years. Um, but they are uh, they're focused on pickups, effectively. Um, pretty notable. Um, listen, uh, I think fundamentally they both produce very very good um, good products, or when they will, when they can get them to market. Um, but for me, it's listen. I want these companies to succeed. I want these companies to bring their their products to market, and I'm voting them on my feet and, and giving them a, a vote of faith um, that you know in a couple of years' time we will see them driving around on the roads. It's very interesting. Um, sort of looking at a few news articles. The first first three that pop up. Uh, so the first one, three reasons why I wouldn't still wouldn't touch a rival stock with a ten foot pole. Um, the next the next one is why arrival stock got mashed on Monday. Um so that's from 6 days ago and the third one is don't don't count on a comeback for arrival stock. Um they report in 3 days so that would be very that would be a very interesting one to 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 watch. Yeah, you know it will it, it listen it will indeed um for me it's about the long term. Um Again, do your own research. If you think Arrival got something to offer the market, then and you know, vote with your feet. Um, you don't have to vote with mine. Oh, exactly. And you, so, you, I mean, you said this is a, for the long term. You believe in the the, fi- the fundamentals and what they can bring to market, and um, ultimately, that's what yeah. you want in a in a company. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's maybe not so much the fundamentals. It's the if you look at the product, it's it's a really cool. Uh, it's a really cool vehicle. Um, and they have got a lot of forward orders. Obviously, those forward orders are contingent on them actually being able to build and deliver some vehicles. And they have had a terrible year. But, listen, let's see. I think there are far too many people, particularly in EV, we've seen this in EV over the last kind of six months, willing to uh, to pull out and to naysay the first signs of trouble. Well, actually, you've got to hold, you've got to hold your course. Arrival got to hold your co- uh, their course and... Um, Listen, if, if I'm the only person <laughs> on a climate podcast, uh, climate slash investing podcast that's actually saying nice things about them and the fact they make, they make what will be a quite a good product, then listen, I'm, I'm happy to put my neck on the line. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's interesting. They're, they're making losses sort of year on year, but I assume they're still very much in their growth stage at the moment. Well, they haven't really sold any vans. They're one of oh, these well, people go, yeah. have gone, yeah, they've sort of gone, it's one of these people that kind of come up with a great idea, gone public without having really delivered much. Hmm. A little bit like Rivian, to be perfectly honest. Ah, interesting. No, it's, it's definitely one to um, want to dive into a bit more. I'll, um, I'll be looking into that. But when it comes to ESG investing in the United States, there has been a bit of an upset, legislatively speaking. Uh, this is focused around retirement, right? Uh, last year, the Department of Labor introduced a new rule that made it harder for retirement plans, who make up the, an enormous bulk of uh, stocks and shares buying, to invest in ESG funds. Um, this rule is called the Financial Factors in Selecting Plan Investments, um, but it's been dubbed by an awful lot of uh, green advocates as the anti-ESG laws. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion I think to be had on this, especially on the philosophical side, not just the financial. Uh, but the bill ends the Biden in- administration authority that allowed retirement plans to weigh climate change and other environmental, social, and governance issues 
uh, into their investment decisions. Uh, so the rule requires fiduciaries to select investments for retirement plans solely based on financial considerations uh, rather than considering ESG factors. Surely you want to be investing in companies with strong finances and good, good ESG credentials. Though. So they can still do that, surely. Actually, this, this isn't... On the face of it, it seems like an anti-ESG um, anti piece of legislation. But in reality, it's probably just prudence. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, you dub something anti-ESG and you think that all of a sudden they're trying to scrap any form of ESG investing, which, so, yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, if the investment is deemed to have lower financial returns than other investment options available, then it would therefore be a violation of the bill, um, even if the fund aligns with the investor's ESG goals. Um, but you've got to remember, this is only pensions, um, not individual investing. Uh, critics will point out how poorly ESG funds have performed over the past year or so, um, but then again, the overall market has been de in decline. And some studies, um, including one by S&P Global, which we'll link in the so show docs, uh, points out that ESG funds outperformed in 2021. Uh, so one argument is that investors should accept lower returns in exchange for doing something good, um, and this could be considered a non-financial return if you want to get philosophical about it. But Capitalism is about the effective allocation of capital and the on the E part, um, there are clear efficiency gains to be had um, and competitive advantages to be created or, or realised by, you know, focusing on your on your ESG credentials. I mean, just to go back to my point about holding for the long term, I'm quite happy to realise no returns in the short term on the promise that actually some good will be done down the line. But um, the legislation, though, seems to encourage ESG investing, which is obviously a good thing because it means companies are going to focus more on it so that they could be including in, in such pension funds and overall encourages a focus on ESG within the company, uh, which provides a, a benefit overall. So if the bill goes ahead, then uh, investor choices are, are limited. There are potential gains to be missed in the long term um, as the you know as the real world changes to become greener. And by restricting this choice, companies have therefore reduced the incentive to work on ESG. What do you think? Yeah, all very valid points, and I agree. Um, there are pros and cons. And I mean, that goes about ESG investing in general. Um, to be fair, I'm not completely happy with sort of how ESG investing can be not weaponized, but sort of used um, in certain ways that you know i don't always feel is authentic um but i don't think that people should have their choice restricted on their pension um it doesn't mean that you can't have an esg pension but you could use part of you know in the uk for um instance uh your isa to create a bit of a pension pot and only invest in esg etfs there um you have to be disciplined not to dip into it um, and it will count towards your twenty thousand pounds which is half the maximum pension contribution um which of course is also separate and um but not any not many investors will be using their full 20k and as i said before um this warrants a lot of discussion especially philosophically and i think this law would be very different if it wasn't towards pensions which are a sensitive and very interlinked topic uh, to get into that carries its own nuances it's also not the first piece of anti-ESG legislation, is it? Um, I mean, Texas enacted the Senate Bill 13 that allowed the state to refuse to do business with companies if they 
uh, are deemed to be boycotting uh, energy companies. Uh, but there was also, and there is, there's rumblings in the Wyoming legislature, state legislature, about uh, a, a vote to ban electric vehicles from 2035. I think we've probably touched on it on our EV episode, and you would have seen it almost everywhere. Most countries in the world have, have brought in a deadline to to ban, cease the the sale of of, brand, of new petrol and diesel cars and light commercial vehicles. In the UK, it's 2030. We're pretty ahead. Europe, it's hoping to be 2035. Um, but Wyoming have basically turned around and going, well, listen, we've got a lot of oil here. Sod you lot. Uh, we're going to ban EVs, which is just unbelievably petty. As a petty and vindictive individual, it's very important, I appear, not to be petty and vindictive. <laughs> um, that's yeah. very weird. Um, hasn't Germany done something very similar? Um, there is r- there are rumblings. The this morning. Yeah, there are rumblings that... Because obviously Germany's automotive industry is is absolute stalwart of its um, industrial output. There are rumblings that they may push the 2035 um, deadline back. It's not because uh, yes. they can't. It's because they don't want to do it. They don't, they want to. They, they, they don't want to take the cut in profits. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah. Germany and Italy stall EU ban on combustion engines um, in the FT three days ago. We have to consider the power of policy here. We are absolute and wholehearted free marketeers, but fundamentally there are things that policy enacts which are for the good of all. That's in theory what the, what policy should be doing. It doesn't always um, lead to that. Obviously, you know, uh, laws which protect the the you know the personal rights of the individual are important that, that legislate against fraud but I, I also feel like um environmental legislation is 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 up there <sighs> the uk government have kind of cornered british industry into this 2030 deadline it can be done it's already being done i know that from the front line it i just I loathe it when industry pushes back um with some spurious reason that it's yeah, whatever the spurious reason will be. We all we all are underlying it's, it's profits, so it's disappointing, and I will be wholeheartedly disappointed if, if the European Union kowtow to industry pressure. This is this is the point at which government should be doing something, and that that really takes a lot for me to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, takes, it takes a hell of a lot for me to say that. Yeah, well, we've um we finally cracked your day. Oh gosh, yeah. After all these years, <laughs> after all this time. Sorry, sorry, Daniel. Going back to your point, mini rant over. A balance, definitely. Um, this is an in-depth topic, and I think some of the more philosophical as well as political ideas uh, could be a good discussion for another episode after the situation unfolds. But I think it's probably a good place to stop. I hope, I hope you found this discussion in Stu investing informative and inspiring. Remember. Investing with an eye to all social and environmental responsibilities is not just good for the planet uh, and society, but potentially good for the one in the long run, if you if you choose to invest in them. Um, I should also once again highlight the fact that all the all the stocks, all the products that we've discussed in this episode are our own choices. Do your own research, investment make up as well as down, um, and also highlight some of the changes that have happened at the Planet Optimist because. Over the last few months, our founder, Kartik Varma, has decided to take a bit more of a, a backstep approach. He's uh, he's kind of still in the in the back of shot, but 
I don't know, maybe a, a more of a non-executive kind of uh, a kind of position. Um, Daniel and I are taking a, a bit more of a hands-on approach, and we are also joined by the the wonderful uh, Mookie Lu, um, who's going to be taking over uh, socials and marketing side of, of things for us. Um, she's a University of Edinburgh graduate, works in ESG, extremely passionate advocate, um, and we'll get her on the podcast at some point during this series um so yeah great to have a, another member of the team um and to be carrying on planet optimist for series two and so until next time goodbye daniel goodbye david mm-hmm.